I'm still here. Good morning, church. Uh, good to be with you uh, this morning. Just uh, piggybacking on Sherry's announcements. I hope you put Good Friday um, on your schedule. We're going to have uh, that service, service in the evening at Redemption Church, which is right over here by the movie theater. Elevation Church will also be with us, and it's going to be just um, a great time to gather um, in unity. So that's just a Good Friday. We've done this before, three churches uh, coming together. We've met here and uh, meeting at Redemption uh, this, this week. If you're uh, new to Cornerstone or uh, haven't been here uh, maybe recently, it's my habit to uh, tradition here at the beginning to update you on wildlife sightings, um, especially bears. Um, as I'm mountain biking during the week, didn't see any bears this week, but I did see a, a beautiful coyote. Now, it's not in the setting where you normally want to see wildlife. It was in the parking lot at, uh, at uh, Ski Resort uh, Alpine Meadows. But anyway, there's your wildlife uh, update for the week. And uh, once again, we're uh, disconnected here. See if I can get this thing going. We've had this uh, problem ongoing, uh, and we have tried to troubleshoot and tried to troubleshoot, but I just keep getting disconnected. So here we go. Why don't you go ahead and do this. While he's doing that, just update you on... Um, sermons and what we've been doing. It has been um, almost 15 months that we have been in the book of Romans. And next Sunday will be our last Sunday in the book of Romans. It has been quite a journey going all the way back to January 17th, 2021. It is our philosophy here, our understanding with the church really over the last 2,000 years that Part of why we gather on Sundays is, is to hear the Word of God and to apply it to our lives. So we are just about done going through the book of Romans. We have Good Friday, or Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and then two weeks after Easter, we'll be beginning our new book and new journey, which will be in 1 Samuel. So as I'm waiting, there we go, we're, we're connected now, so... Um, I can use the slides. I hope you have your Bibles open or your devices open. If you have a phone with you or your Bible with you, you'll be able to follow along uh, with me better if you're in Romans chapter 16. We're just looking at a few verses today. And I want to start just diving into the text right away. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Paul writes this. He says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. So let's just pause here for a moment and let me talk with you a little bit about verse 17. This verse starts out with this phrase, I urge you. I urge you, and we've seen this several times over the last few weeks in the book of Romans. This is not a casual thing. This is like, hey, pay attention to this. This is, this is huge. If we look back to verse 30 of chapter 15, Paul said to the Roman Christians in the first century, I urge you, and then he asked them to join him in his struggle by praying for God. So he's used this phrase several times. I'll mention one other time that he uses it way back in chapter 12 where he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So he comes back to this word, and he, he's kind of shouting at us. He's kind of screaming. 
especially to those Roman Christians in the first century, but also to us, saying this is an urgent thing, brothers, meaning brothers and sisters, boys and girls, men and women in Christ. And then here's what he says, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. So this is a little bit unusual. At the end of this long book, he is telling the Roman Christians to stay away from these people who are divisive, who are putting obstacles in your way, to stay away from them. And it's an urgent thing. It is a strong thing. So what do we do with this today in the year 2022? How do we apply this passage? How do we, are, are we called to, to keep away from, from anyone and everyone who, who may not be following the Lord or who is divisive? What exactly does God want to say to us today through this text? Now, before we answer that question, so I'm abandoning the iPad here and moving to a remote. And the remote's not moving either, but now I think it's going to move. There we go. Okay, so here we are. Some passages of Scripture are universally applicable for all time. This particular passage isn't one of those. I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. But some passages, we just read them, and whether we were reading them thousands of years ago or whether we're reading them today, we just follow that. We just apply that. Some passages of Scripture are universally applicable for all time. Let's take, for example, the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. This is, was applicable when it was written by Moses, given by God. It's applicable today. We only have one God and no other gods before him. And this particular verse, this first commandment, how is that relevant to you or me? You might be saying, well, I don't really have other gods above the one true God. But we do. When I am excessively attached to myself and my selfish desires, I am functionally worshiping myself. And I am putting myself before God. And so even though we don't use the language of worship, I don't ever go around saying I'm worshiping Mike. But when I am sovereign and I am in charge of my life and I am not submitted to the Lord, I am putting myself before him and I'm violating that first commandment. But I'm bringing this up just to say that some passages of Scripture are universally and totally applicable. And this one in verse 17 isn't that kind of passage. It is relevant to us to keep away from others, but we have to do some thinking to understand about how to apply this passage. So some passages of Scripture are applicable in certain settings and for certain people. And that's what we're dealing with here at the end of verse 17, where Paul is telling the Roman Christians in the first century to keep away from these divisive people and those who are putting obstacles in your way. So let me show you a little bit of tension here as we try to understand how God wants to speak to us through verse 17 today. And one of the things that we see in tension is that Jesus doesn't keep away 
from people who are evil or divisive or stumbling blocks. In fact, very often, he is very intimate with them and involved with them and has them to his dinner table. In John chapter 13, we have the Last Supper going on. You're familiar with it. Um, Most everyone is familiar with this in a variety of ways. And it says in John 13, I tell you the truth, in the setting of this Last Supper, this last meal before Jesus is going to the cross, he says, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. They have no idea who among the 12 apostles is going to betray Jesus. They're all looking at each other. They're confused. I'm putting this passage up here today to show that Jesus doesn't keep away from enemies or divisive people all the time. In fact, he often has them them to dinner, and that is the case here with Judas. The passage goes on. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. They're asking, which one of us is going to betray him? Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Jesus knew who was going to betray him. He knew that he was going to do this, and yet he had him to dinner. He didn't keep away from him. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Jesus, Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly. I'm setting up here for you this dynamic. As, as we look at the scriptures, how we relate to people that are divisive, that are against the Lord, are bringing obstacles into our lives, who are divisive, the way that we relate to them is somewhat complicated. And it would be wrong to read verse 17 where Paul is saying, keep away from these folks as something that we just absolutely do. And we put our blinders on and we stay away from anyone who is not following the Lord. That is not what this passage is teaching. So how do I know whether to invite an enemy to dinner, which is what Jesus did with Judas? And this was just not any dinner. This was maybe one of the most intimate meals that has ever taken place. I mean, what, what did Jesus do before they, they ate together? What did he do at that, in, that, in that room? I'm, I'm look, he washed their feet. Jesus washed Judas' feet, which was a radical expression of humility and love. He washed all of their feet and ate with them. He didn't stay away. And yet the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul here in verse 17 to tell the Roman Christians to keep away from these folks. So how do I know whether to invite an enemy to dinner to love that person in that way or to keep away from him or her? I'm going to answer that in just a moment. But before we do that, let me just get, I have basically four points today. And the first one comes out of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is teaching, and he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And notice it's in in quotes there, that little saying. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
This was the false teaching that was circulating in Jesus' day. It's not from the Bible. This, is the, this was kind of the operating procedure of the religious people in Jesus' day. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Jesus is telling them and telling us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So I'm trying to preach this particular unit, but I need to preach this unit about keeping away from those who are divisive in light of what all Scripture teaches. Scripture interprets Scripture. So the first thing I want to say before I resolve this dilemma about whether we invite our enemies to dinner or whether we stay away from them is that we are called to love our enemies. And that is over whether we're inviting them to dinner or whether we are keeping away from them. We are to love them. There are different ways to love your enemies. So now let me answer that question. You ready for me to answer the question? Say, say yes. Are you tracking with me today? All right. So here's, here's, here's where we answer the question. Look with me or listen to me. Listen to the word in verse 19. So Romans 16 and verse 19. Paul writes this. He says, everyone has heard about your obedience. And he's talking about the first century churches that met in homes in Rome. And they were known for being obedient to the gospel, to the Lord, to the commandments. Everyone has heard about your obedience. That's what these churches were known for, these Christians were known for. So I am full of joy over you. These Christians, Paul has yet to visit Rome, he's yet to see them, but he's heard about their obedience, he's full of joy about them, and here comes the but. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And this is what gives us some help about why he's telling them to keep away from these, from these folks. And we don't know their particular false teaching or how they're causing division. We don't need to know. There's often purposeful ambiguity in the Bible. They knew what was going on. We know that we might have similar situations where there's people that are divisive, people that are against the Lord that are going to try to uh, take us astray. But here's the issue. At the end of verse 19, he says, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So this last part of verse 19, innocent about what is evil, um, what, what comes to my mind in this phrase is as parents, um, many, many of you as grandparents, in the very best possible way, we want to shelter our young people from the particularities and the specifics of certain kinds of evil. I'm not going to mention those particular kinds of evil, but you know what I'm talking about. We don't want our five-year-olds or our six-year-olds to be acquainted and familiar with certain things. You know what I'm saying? Sheltering in the best kind of way. Well, that sort of sheltering isn't just for children. It is also for adults and for you and for me. And what Paul is saying, I want you, Roman Christians, to be innocent about this evil, to be sheltered from these false teachers, from the divisive people that are either already there or are coming. I don't want you to be intimately familiar with what is going on. But he is concerned that they might be taken in. In other words, they are vulnerable to them. They probably looked really good, these false teachers who were causing division. They, they probably uh, didn't show up with like uh, satanic dark robes or anything that, 
communicated that they were evil, like Judas at the table, everyone's looking around and going, well, who's, who's the betrayer here? Who's the evil one here? These are people, I believe, who looked very good. And so Paul knows that they are susceptible to, t- to the, the Roman Christians are susceptible to whatever it is that is divisive and that is evil that is going on among them. F.F. Bruce writes this. He says, uh, do not be so simple-minded as to swallow whatever is being offered. And Paul is concerned that the Roman Christians might follow these evil people. And so he's given them this warning to stay away. Doug Moo writes this. He says, those who are not on the watch for these people and who do not listen closely enough to what they are teaching might be led astray and into ultimate spiritual ruin. So, who do I need to keep away from? Another question to, another way to answer this, this question or this dilemma, um, who is it that I today might need to keep away from? It is those who are pursuing something that is evil that I may be vulnerable to join in that. That's who I don't invite to the dinner table, but who I keep away from. So we need to be thinking as we read this passage about what I'm vulnerable to, what you are vulnerable to. And if they may lead me astray, then I need to keep away from those folks. And I'm talking about vulnerable in, um, in, in the sense, uh, not in the good sense of being honest and transparent, but in another sense. So my second point today is to keep away from enemies to whom you are vulnerable to their division or whatever it is that they're about that is going to take you away from what is most important, loving God and knowing God and being with Christ. And that, so that's why Paul is using this strong language because he sees these people, uh, the Roman Christians, might give in because these people look so good. They look like angels of light. They look like they're teaching the truth, but they are not. They're dangerous. So uh, the vulnerability that I'm talking about is when you or I are open to moral moral attack or temptation. So as we read these few verses, 17 through 20, the careful reader of this text will be thinking about what, what, what is it that I'm vulnerable to. And it is those folks for whom I need to keep away from. That would be a way to rightly apply this passage, not to totally separate and distance ourselves from anyone who doesn't know the Lord or who is going in a bad direction, because that is not what we see Jesus doing. So I want to try to to make this practical for our lives today in the year 2022. That is what preaching really is. That is the difference between teaching and preaching, is taking this word and applying it to our lives today. So I have three ways um, to, to try to give you ways, and this is, this is where preaching gets really hard, because I don't know where you are vulnerable. And the reality is, you might actually not know where you are vulnerable. And that's why Paul is writing to the Roman Christians, it's really strong. I urge you to keep away from them because Paul might have insight that they are vulnerable and they don't even know that they're vulnerable. And so he's putting them on alert. So I want to give you a, a three different case scenarios here 
of, of how this might play out, keeping away from enemies who you are vulnerable. So just a few days ago, uh, we are on our way uh, back from the airport. My oldest uh, son was uh, home from New Hampshire, home from college just for a few days, went back uh, yesterday, well, the day before. What was it, yesterday? day before. day before. I lose track of days. He's been gone a couple days. But anyway, we're coming home uh, from the airport late on Monday night. I remember it was Monday night. And he's hungry. We've all eaten. And so we stop at In-N-Out Burger at uh, Madison Avenue and 80 for him to get uh, some food. And so we stop there, and uh, those who are hungry are getting some food. And there are these protesters outside, just loud signs, crazy. It's nighttime. I, I kind of felt like I was in a different world, and I'm just wondering what is going on. What, what are they protesting? I wasn't eating, so I walk outside on the, you know, by the seating they have outside there. And these folks are incredibly passionate and incredibly concerned about, you ready for this? Are, are you guys awake? Are, are you ready for this? They, they, they are incredibly concerned about the lives of cows and chickens. That, that, that's why they're protesting. They are concerned about their lives. And some of you might be too if they're abused or so on. They were on a mission to get everyone to stop eating chickens and cows. <laughs> and, and they are passionate about this. Now, let me just say, we are free in Christ to not eat chicken or cows. There's a Chick-fil-A just right down, you know, so they're kind of covering both sides. Um, we, are, we are free to not eat chicken or, or, or cows, and we are free to eat uh, chicken or, 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 or cows. Are, 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 you, are you tracking with me here? My point is not to criticize, per se, their choice not to eat meat, not to eat chicken, but how they have made this the centerpiece of their lives and the passion of, of what, they are about, uh, what they are about. So those who are actually vulnerable... I'm talking about Christians who are vulnerable to a hyper-focus of non-essentials. Whether we eat meat or whether we don't eat meat is not an essential for the Christian. This is not what drives us. So if you were tempted to make that your functional God, this idea that life is all about closing down these farms and saving the lives of cows and saving the lives of chickens, if that was something that you were vulnerable to, then you should stay away from those folks that were out there protesting. Now, that is not something that I'm vulnerable to, right? So I am, should have these folks over for dinner. Now... I should not serve chicken or meat if I love them, right? Going back to Jesus said to love our enemies, it would not be loving to have them over for, for tri-tip. It would not be loving. So I should have them over not to convince them to start eating chicken and to start eating meat. That's not why I would have them over. 
but to show them that their, their hyper-focus on non-essentials, that is not going to find them fulfillment to, 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 to make this your goal and passion in life. It, it's fine to continue without eating these things, but what is essential in life? Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? It is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what I would want to talk to them about in, in lowering their, their hyper-focus on non-essentials. So those who are vulnerable to that should keep away from those folks. But those of us who are not vulnerable to that, we should have them over for a salad, a vegetarian meal, that sort of thing. So that's my first example I'm trying to help us see how this passage applies to us. If we are vulnerable to certain things, we should keep away from those folks. A second thing would be of those who chronically gossip. So again, this is where preaching gets hard. I don't know what you are vulnerable to or what you are not vulnerable to. If you are vulnerable to, to, to involving yourselves in the personal lives of others, in talking about those all the time, uh, gossip is idle talk or rumor, especially about the personal or private affairs of others. If that is what you are vulnerable to do, then you would apply this passage by keeping away from those folks. Those of us who, who are, are, are less vulnerable, and I'm not trying to say here that, that I, I'm not, um, those of us who are less vulnerable should speak into their lives and love them, not keep away from them. Are you tracking with me? One final um, example here, and this one uh, moves into controversy a little bit. Uh, I guess the first one does too, uh, but this is something, uh, you know, the world is changing before our eyes. Um, these, these last few years, this last decade, things that were just kind of unthinkable are now becoming normal, particularly regarding the area of gender and what the world and people think about gender. So many of our young people, and older folks too, adults as well, but especially our junior high, high school students, they, they, are, they are confused and trying to find their way. Who am I? What is life all about? I remember being in junior high and being in high school and just looking all these different ways. And that is a common thing that has been constant for, for millennia. Uh, teenagers trying to find their way. But what has changed in the last few years is that the world, and, and our culture especially, and, and our state, is saying, well, the way that you might find your way is, is uh, if you are a, a kind of person who doesn't feel right, and you're a man, you're a boy, and you don't feel right doing those kinds of things that boys do, maybe you should become a girl or dress like a girl, or vice versa. These things are now being presented as a way to find fulfillment in life. And so, if you have, or someone you know, has the tendency to think, this is where I'm going to find fulfillment in life, by rejecting what the Bible teaches, God has made us in his image as male and female, and those things, our maleness and our femaleness, are given to us at birth. Are, are you tracking with me, church? Are you in agreement with me? The Bible teaches that we are male or female. And so, 
someone who is vulnerable to this false teaching that this is where you're going to find personal fulfillment, we want to communicate to them, actually, this isn't going to find you personal fulfillment. This is going to take you in a bad direction. But if you were a person who was vulnerable to actually going in that direction, then you would want to stay away. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. So most of us need to be reaching out to folks who are struggling and doing these things. But if we are tempted to these things ourselves, then and we are vulnerable, then we need to keep away from those to whom we are vulnerable. So that's verse 19. I skipped verse 18. Let's come back to our text here and look at verse 18 as we finish up. Verse 18, he's describing these people in the first century. We don't know that much about them, but here we learn some details about them. That is the false teachers, those that are causing division. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. You see, they were deceivers. They were smooth talkers. They were flattering others. And Paul is anticipating that this might happen to the Roman Christians, and I don't want you to go astray, so stay away from these folks. Notice it says they are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites. So I think these are folks who are within the church, within the church community. But they are not real believers. They are serving their own appetites. Some of your passages, some of your translations there say they are serving their own bellies in verse 18. I think appetites brings out the sense here, I don't think literally, that they were doing this false teaching to get food and to get large. I don't think this is literally about their bellies. I think this is an expression describing some sort of selfish, indulgent lifestyle. And they were manipulating the gospel and the church to, to achieve this purpose. These were dangerous people. So the third of my fourth point, this, uh, four points this morning, dealing with vulnerability. That word isn't in this passage, but I think this passage has a lot to do with what you and I are vulnerable to, is we need to discern those who are serving themselves instead of serving Christ. That is what was happening. Even within the church at Rome, there were some who were, look like they're serving the gospel. They look like they're serving Christ, but they're actually serving their own fleshly appetites. John Piper writes this, he says, Behind serious false teaching, we almost always find not merely intellectual mistakes, but worldly passions enslaving the mind. That's what was going on. That's what they were being warned against. Final, uh, well, one other passage I want you to look at here is uh, coming back to Judas, uh, Matthew 26. We see Judas' motives here. Uh, We looked at John 13 earlier. Let me just read this passage. Let's look at it together. It says, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. The appetite of Judas was greed. That's What motivated him? He looked like every one of the other apostles sitting around that table. 
But inside of him, there was something else that was going on. He looked like a genuine believer. They're all debating, who is it the one that's going to betray you? But inside of him, there was this appetite for greed. And he was vulnerable to that, and he gave into that, and he betrayed our Lord and Savior. The Lord, nonetheless, had him at the table and loved him and did not view him as a threat to the other 11. He was the only one that went away. So we need to discern those who serve themselves instead of Christ. And these folks are sometimes at the table or in the church. Final verse today, verse 20. And then last, next week we finish with just these last few verses, the book of Romans, and we'll fin- finish up the book next week. So verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Life is, is hard and it's difficult. Paul inserts here at the end of this warning, I urge you to watch out for these folks that there is coming a day where we will not have to watch out for, for bad people and, and for people who are, who are going to deceive and bring division and, and take things out. There is, uh, take us out. There's going to be one day a new heavens and new earth where Satan is gone, evil is gone. There, there will not be a, a dictator uh, going into Ukraine and bombing and killing women and children and hospitals. There is coming a day when Satan will be under your feet. Now it's interesting it says in verse 20 that it's going to be soon. And so this is a reminder that the time framework of God is very different than our time framework. It has been 2,000 years since this was written. But our time framework and God's time framework, generally speaking, do not line up. But the reality of verse 20, what's relevant to us, is that we have hope. And so we need to ask God to help us to long for the day when his people will have no enemies, where we will not have to worry about which one at the table is going to be the betrayer. There are going to be no betrayers. There are going to be no dictators. Uh, Satan and all evil is going to be put away. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And this is central to the hope that we have in Christ and the gospel. We'll finish up today looking at Revelation chapter 21, describing this new heavens and new earth. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful In the new heavens and new earth, there will be no one, including you and me, who does anything shameful or deceitful. Are you looking forward to that, where all of your desires are going to be good and pure? I'm no longer going to do anything that is shameful or deceitful in the new heavens and new earth, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That is who is going to be in the new heavens and new earth, and our names are written in the book of life by believing in Jesus, who died as our sin substitute and rose on the third day. And he is the one that we live for. And the main thing is to keep the main things, the main thing, not to focus on these secondary things, but to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's bow our heads and ask God to help us to do that this week. Lord, I don't know where 
Um, each one here today is vulnerable, and sometimes I don't even know where I myself am vulnerable. So we are asking for your help in light of today's passage. If some of us here today are around others who would, who would skillfully and strategically take us away from loving you, from pursuing you, from knowing you and making you the greatest treasure in our lives, we pray that you would give us the wisdom to see that. Lord, others of us, we actually need to reach out to folks who are, who are lost and do not know you at all. So give us the wisdom to know who to stay away from and who to embrace for the sake of your kingdom. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.